This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to Guardians Weekly on the Cleveland Guardians Radio Network. Guardians Weekly is brought to you by Progressive, helping Guardians fans save hundreds on car insurance. Everyone, welcome to Guardians Weekly. Jim Rosenhouse, along with you this weekend from Progressive Field in downtown Cleveland. Hope you're doing well as we get closer to what we hope is the start of spring training. But obviously, uh, we'll keep you posted as we go on developments there. But in the meantime, our show continues as we take you through the offseason with some interviews highlighting different members of the Guardians baseball operations group, specifically on the minor league side, player development side, which is such a key for this organization. And coming up later on in our show, we will visit with the new director of hitting development, Nate Fryman, who uh, played for nine seasons of pro ball, including two in the big leagues with the Oakland Athletics before starting his career in Cleveland's front office in 2019. And uh, an interesting path to where he is now, but also some interesting ideas on on how to get things done and and help make hitters at the minor league level as they make their way toward the major leagues the best that they can be. And we'll visit with Nate in the second half of our show today. But coming up shortly, we will visit with an old friend of the program and also of the Guardians Radio Network. That would be John McDonald, the longtime major leaguer, a 15-year major league career. And uh, that career began with the the, uh, Cleveland organization back in 1999. He made his major league debut. He ended up spending parts of seven seasons in the major leagues with the Cleveland organization. Also seven years with the Blue Jays and played for the Diamondbacks, the Pirates, the Phillies, Red Sox, the Angels, and the Tigers. So he, uh, he pieced it together in a varied major league career, and uh, it was kind of fun when he returned uh, to the then-Indians back in 2013 for a short spell as uh, they were trying to get some good things done on the field at that point. It was great to see Johnny Mack as a player toward the tail end of his career as well. He's now the Guardians field coordinator as part of their player development system, and uh, that oversees a lot of what happens at the different minor league affiliates. It's a a great position for him, one that he has enjoyed, and he's beginning his third season in that role in 2022. And we'll hear from John McDonald when we return after this timeout on the Cleveland Clinic Guardians Radio Network. 
Drivers who switch and save with Progressive save over $700 on average, and those savings add up. Imagine what you could buy in the future. Hey, remember how 20 years ago I switched to Progressive? Well, now it's the future, and I used all those savings to buy this new hologram phone. Because, you know, it's the future, and everything is holograms now. So switch to Progressive and save big, because those savings can add up in the future. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National annual average insurance savings by new customer surveyed who saved with Progressive in 2020. Potential savings will vary. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. First ball swinging, Christian Guzman bangs it up the middle, Johnny Mac makes a sliding step, gets up, throws out Guzman! What a play by John McDonald! Swinging a slow roller to third, charged by McDonald, bare hand grab and throw, got him! Oh, what a play by Johnny Mac! Welcome back to Guardians Weekly, Jim Rosenhouse back with you from Progressive Field, downtown Cleveland, and we are joined now by one of our favorites. He joins us every now and again on the radio broadcast. Longtime major leaguer, longtime member of the uh, Cleveland organization, now the field coordinator in the minor league system, and that is John McDonald. Johnny Mack, we catch up with you. Uh, you're in Massachusetts, I'm in Cleveland, and the one thing we have in common, snow in abundance the last couple of days. How are you holding up here as winter uh, gets deeper into February? Yeah, we're holding up pretty pretty good. It's actually the kids love it when it snows. They obviously want a snow day. Um, but we uh, you know, we had a chance to go up north to to ski a little bit. So having the snow come in is just something we enjoy. Kind of embraces here in New England the the changes of the season. So it's 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 been fun. We got a day to day where all, the snow is almost all melting, but another storm rolling in this weekend. So just like you guys, we'll be we'll be digging out again soon. I know you're looking forward to, to getting out to Goodyear, Arizona to continue to work in the player development side. It's your third season as field coordinator. And before we go further, just for fans who maybe aren't familiar with the hierarchy, uh, there's a, a, a farm director, a director of player development. You're the field coordinator. What's the difference between the two in, in terms of what you do in your job? My job's more on the field. What are our What are our coaches doing? How are we coaching our coaches? How are we coaching our players? Um, and, and what What are we doing as far as on the field? Um, team fundamentals and uh, the, the teachings. Not yeah, how we teach, what we teach. It's it's the overall development of coaches. Or, or I'm sorry, our the development of our players through our coaches, and what that looks like, and how it feels, and being a resource for all of our staff. So to to bring that all together as you get into a season, say it's June and there's probably not a typical day for you, but how much constant contact is, is there for you with the different teams in the organization and trying to keep them on the same page? Oh, we've got daily, daily conversation or daily connections one way or another, whether it's, it's, um, you know, our, messaging with our staff calling our staff being on site for them i mean it's a, it's a constant resource and you know thankful that we've got enough resources inside our organization where our our players and staff are always going to feel like they're they they can be connected 
um, and they are connected, but you know, as players and staff, they also want to be able to work on their own and, and find their own path. So it's a good combination of being resources for people while allowing them to do their job. We will circle back to, to the, the current state of, of the farm system for the Cleveland Guardians, and it has been really, really good for a while now. Visiting with John McDonald, the Guardians field coordinator in the minor league system, and, and fans know John McDonald, uh, a very popular player for uh, the Cleveland organization back in the early 2000s and a, a long major league career with a lot of different teams. But uh, Johnny Mack, the, the Indians at the time saw you and drafted you out of Providence College which no longer has baseball. But when you were there, obviously it did. And you're playing in the Big East, which at the time, tremendous basketball conference. How was the baseball for a conference that's primarily in the Northeast? I felt like it was really competitive. So from growing up in New England, it, it was playing in the Big East was was the main goal. I didn't quite think I would have ever gotten there. and I was really fortunate. I went to junior college for two years at a place called UConn Avery Point and played well enough there to get an opportunity to go to Providence. But that was, I mean, I was so fired up when I got that, um, got that call and said that that's what I was actually going to be able to, to try and do to perform at the, at the Big East level. I had no aspirations of going um, down South or out West to play baseball. I just, I, I enjoyed being in new England. I thought that was great baseball. And it turned out for me that, you know, if you play well enough and are continuing to improve that no matter where you are, you know, They'll find you. Scouts will find you if you're playing well enough. And um, are, I, I truly believe that. And when you look at some of the other teams and, and some of the other stars in that league, uh, familiar names that we know now because of their league careers, uh, can you point to, to one or two that jump right off the page? So Lou Merloni was at Providence right before I was. Um, the year before, Matt Morris was at, uh, was at Seton Hall. Um, it wasn't a huge name for future uh, you know, a, a league for future big leaguers, but it was a more, you know, they're going to have a couple each year that, that came out of the bees that have an impact at the major league level. And, and I know a, a tough deal for you later on, uh, you're a couple of years into pro ball and, and Providence dropped baseball. How, how tough was that having been uh, such a major part of, of their program when you were there? It was hard. Just, I, I think more, because I didn't have anything to give back to when I was at my junior college, there were former players that would come back when I was at, at Providence. Um, some of the former guys that were, that were, that were playing in minor league baseball would come back and work with us and, and let us know what it was like and push us to be better and not being able to have that opportunity to give back to that group was, uh, was and still is disappointing. Um, I, mean, I understand uh, a little more why they got rid of it, but I still don't agree with that. I still don't agree with the decision to get rid of that program and wish that it was come back. We've got a new uh, athletic director starting next year uh, at Providence College. I already sent him a message. Does this mean we're we're getting the baseball program back? I don't I don't think that that's going to happen, but it's a it's a fun conversation to continue to bring up around here. Well, it, it certainly worked out well for you while they did have baseball. You're drafted uh, by Cleveland back in, in the 96 draft, and, and you go on to have a, a really good major league career. But in your current position, it's kind of interesting. I don't know if you, if you have some perspective or have thought about it much, but with what you're doing today and, and how you really try to have that boots-on-the-ground approach to, to keeping a, a player development system productive, uh, what was it like when you first came in with the, with the then-Indians organization uh, back in 96 in terms of the things that were available to you to get better? I felt like there was a ton of resources and we have so much more now, 
but I had a, I mean, I had a manager my first year playing in Watertown that uh, loved developing infielders, Ted Kubiak, and he ended up becoming our infield coordinator. And and having Teddy as a resource earlier in my career as a as a manager, I mean, we took so many ground balls in Watertown. I, I thought that was just what happened with everybody, you know, across baseball. And that wasn't the case. And then being, getting to be around um, and Teddy and having a dedicated infield coordinator to watch my growth and, and help me grow was, um, was is definitely a great resource. Um, but we had, we had fewer staff. We had a manager, a pitching coach, a hitting coach. Now we have uh, an, an extra fourth coach, a bench coach. Um, we didn't have analytics. We didn't see much video from back then. Uh, although there, there is still some video floating around of those early years. Um, we had it. We had a hitting coordinator. We, we had plenty of resources. I just think now we're a little bit more dedicated and smarter with the way we spread it out. Um, we're able to have uh, a strength coach at each affiliate. Um, obviously, we had a trainer at each affiliate, but we have we have tech support. Um, we just a the ability to communicate where we didn't necessarily have that back then to be able to know exactly what's going on at each affiliate. We didn't have the video. We weren't able to pay, you know, pull it up the next day, um, share a video of all your at bats. Those those things were non-existent, and having them now, what a great resource for our players and and our staff to help them grow. You mentioned a couple of names of, of trainers in the system when you were first starting. Uh, Teddy Blackwell down at, at Single A Kinston and uh, Nick Paparesta up at Watertown, New York Penn League. And um, <laughs> a, a trainer's job was a little bit different back then. They were more than just a trainer, weren't they? They were. They were. I mean, well, it was. I didn't know what to expect in Watertown. Like, <clears throat> you know, what we're going to eat after the game. I didn't know the, the food we would get food from at home at home games. We'd have food from whatever was at the, uh, they were selling at the ballpark, the leftover hot dogs and hamburgers we'd get to have. And we'd have a bowl of fruit that would, the guys would go through really quick when we started the day. And I know Nick handled the laundry. Uh, he handled um, making sure we were able to get to a gym so we could work out uh, once or twice a week. And it wasn't the easiest things to do, but we seemed to manage pretty good and to develop and, um, I, sometimes it's better without all the bells and whistles. So you can just, you know, a little bit easier to focus on the baseball part of the game. You bring in so many other ways to have our minds go to uh, how we're developing. And I, I can see it as, play, as players now. There are so many resources. Like, which one do I want to use that's going to best suit me? Sometimes guys figure that out after they are done playing. Because uh, the the you know, I was fortunate to play um, you know for as long as I did, but some of the players the the window was really short. So trying to figure out how to use the resources as a younger player where it best suits you is is not the easiest thing for them to do. I think that's one of the challenges of what our players have today. We're visiting with John McDonald, the Guardians' field coordinator in the player development system. Two things you mentioned technology. Um, two things when you first came into the the organization in '96 as a player. I'm not exactly sure where the development of cell phones was, but I don't think they were nearly as common as they are now, <laughs> um, <laughs> where you, you can't survive without one, it seems. And and also the Internet just getting going. So what did that mean? Uh, for instance, um, your manager at, at the lower minor league level, if, if someone from the organization wanted to get in touch with them, how'd that work? So I didn't even think about it back then. I didn't even, and I didn't, and I didn't care. I was so focused on what I was, what I was doing, but now seeing it and how easy it is to communicate with our staff on a daily basis in, in Lynchburg and Lake County and Akron and Columbus and, and in Cleveland and the offices, it's, it's just, 
and I can I can see somebody on my computer. Just pull up a Zoom and uh, and be connected. Um, I, the cell phone came in for me. I think it was ninety. 99 i got my first cell phone before that i had a i had a bag phone that i had in my car in case of emergency that i didn't want to use because it cost so much to use uh, but if my car had broken down while i was driving i had I, my, my parents had, had given me that but for you know for our managers for joel skinner in kinston in 1997 if he wasn't in his office he didn't get the phone call from mark shapiro or neil huntington they you know, that's, you had to, you had to, or someone had to hear the phone ring and come out and get them. You'd have to run in if we we're going to make a, make a move and send somebody, you know, from, from Kinston up to Akron. That's just, uh, it's a much different process. And I know the game reports, which I never listened to back then, but the Joel spent time on the phone, uh, recapping the game for anybody in the office that wanted to dial in and listen to the recap. Amazing. The, the differences now just with two cell phones and internet and, uh, it, gosh, it's opened up a, a world which um, maybe no one ever could have conceived of back then, but now it's just commonplace. Uh, John McDonald, you look at um, you know all all the different uh, areas of expertise in the player development staff, whether it be with a particular club or support staff. Uh, I noticed AAA Columbus, AA Akron, some good continuity there in terms of, of coaches and managers, and then a little bit of movement elsewhere. How important is it to have that blend of some some fresh ideas coming in, but also some some continuity there for for both players and coaches to keep a system really clicking on all cylinders? I, yeah, I, I embrace it all. I, I I think it's great for for you know what's best for our players. I think that's the initial thing that we always ask ourselves: is this the best thing for our players? And then you look, well, what's the best for our staff? Because our our staff has goals too. We want to help them grow and get to where they want to be. So sometimes, you know, moving staff around is a good thing for the staff because they want to be challenged in a different way. And that's that creates a challenge of, of us in, in player development and in my role and um, our director of PD and our assistant GMs there. You know, how can we best support the move that happens? and make it seamless and that's a the fun challenge to work through yearly because we do we have we have staff that will be with us and they'll get um the opportunity to go to a higher role or you know a, a better role in another organization if we don't have that available we end up hiring new staff and this year we've we've hired some new staff they're going to be in new places and what a fun opportunity for us to be able to coach them up while they're coaching our players up yeah, it, it has been and, and probably always will be the lifeblood of, of this organization's success. And uh, Johnny Mack, great to have you on. And I know we get to see you occasionally during the course of the season, and uh, hopefully we'll catch up with you at some point during the regular season too. But thanks for coming by for a little bit. Sounds great, Rosie. I appreciate having me. That's John McDonald, the Guardians field coordinator in the player development system. Stay tuned. More to come as we continue with Guardians Weekly on the Cleveland Clinic Guardians Radio Network. Folks, this baby isn't over yet. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. 
Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back to Guardians Weekly. Jim Rosenhouse back with you from Progressive Field, downtown Cleveland, and we continue our conversations with members of the Guardians player development staff. And some of those have uh, received promotions and uh, moving on up and making great contributions in player development for the organization. And one of those, the new director of hitting, is Nate Fryman. And, uh, Nate, you look at uh, at your current position now and the opportunity uh, to help develop hitters. And, and, my goodness, that's such a wide-ranging title, it seems, and, and so many different ways to go about it. But I imagine it's it's really exciting, especially when you're working with younger players who are, are trying to make their mark and, and get a little bit closer to the big leagues. It is. And, and yeah, thank you, Jim, for having me. It's, it's, it's great to be on. And, you know, in this, in this role, I'm fortunate to, to work closely with Alex Eckelman based in the office and just have a broad exposure to the, to the hitting department, stretching from, from the major leagues to the, to the Dominican Academy, as well as professional international and amateur scouting. So I'm fortunate to connect with a lot of people across the organization and, and see how they operate, as well as be a resource for for our players, coaches, and coordinators. And it seems like there's so many different parts of the equation. And and how much for you is is actual hands-on working with a hitter, and how much is is breaking down either video or, or analytics numbers that that might make a difference for a certain player? In terms of actually working with hitters, I I have had the chance to get in the cage a lot over the last year or so and mostly flipping and in, in throwing BP. So our, so our coaches can be freed up to work with hitters. I, I generally don't work directly with them. I do spend a lot of time looking at video and pulling up the different numbers and in the analytics. But again, that's, that's more in the capacity to be a resource for the coaches rather than to coach players directly. And we'll get, we'll circle back around to, to what you're doing and, and, some of the things that you might be doing uh, in the coming season ahead. But uh, one of the things we like to do is take a look at some interesting backgrounds. And, and you had uh, nine years pro ball and uh, a lot of that in the major leagues. But it starts in in Massachusetts as a high school player and, and Northeast getting noticed and, and having the ability to either play college ball or, or pro ball is not always the easiest thing. And, and for you, what, w- what was that high school experience like uh, growing up in Massachusetts in, in a cold weather spot. Yeah, that's that's definitely the cold weather spot. I'm look, looking out the window right now, and with the snow coming down, it reminds me of a lot of growing up. You know, we do the best we could to find batting cages and in gyms, either getting there before school started or going to facilities. You know, things have things have changed in that over the last you know twenty twenty years or so where there's just a lot more available. So we would, we would kind of improvise. We used wood bats too, which was, which was a neat thing, especially, uh, you know, in the cold, but for, you know, a guy like me, tall guy, I, I got off the mound a little bit and didn't, I wasn't throwing 95, but light up the radar gun a little bit with, as a young kid, especially a tall person, you know, college coaches, you know, tend to take notice and that's how I ended up at, at Duke, but it ended up being as a hitter. 
um, had an elbow injury and just was more passionate about hitting was, was fortunate to have the opportunity to, to play every day there for four years. All right. Listeners who are, are listening closely, if you can back up a minute, wood bats in high school, what, how did that yeah. happen? And, and what was the reasoning behind that? There, unfortunately, a player two years ahead of me at Wellesley High School hit in the face with a line drive, and he he was okay, but really scary situation with some emergency uh, surgery and everything. And after that, the the conference made the decision to go to Wood Bats, and at, to my knowledge, it's been there ever since. Wow, fascinating stuff, certainly, and, and unusual in, in the high school game, to be sure, and, and just the amateur game in general. So you, you're noticed, and you get to, to play college ball at Duke. And what was that experience like coming from a you know a northern environment to, to go down and get to play in the ACC against really good competition? It was a big adjustment. My, my freshman year, we were 15 and 40. And what that meant was a lot of the young players had opportunities to play every day. And so, you know, 18, 19 year old kid coming from the Northeast and I look up and I'm in the batter's box against Andrew Miller and Daniel Bard and some of these guys who were really impact major leaguers. And I, I've been facing people throwing in the upper seventies in Massachusetts. So there were definitely times when I was overmatched. But again, I had, I really, I was really fortunate to have kind of the license, just stay in the lineup. And, and I had, I had a coach, Sean McNally, who was just extraordinary baseball mind, had the opportunity, was, was very upfront with me and said that you're going to stay in the lineup. And as a kid, you know, facing adversity, that was, that was huge to, to just have that in the back of my mind and have that space to develop as a player knowing that I didn't necessarily have to solve for getting hit that night to have a uniform in my locker and knowing that he was going to give me that runway to develop. Well, you mentioned that, and, and to circle back to your current position, does that in any way in the time that you've been in the organization, has that come into play as you talk to different players and coaches? It has. In, in terms of the entire culture of the Cleveland Guardians, they pride themselves on being a learning organization and kind of take that same approach. It's, it's probably not a coincidence that, that Sean McNally had worked here before getting the job at Duke in terms of putting a lot of emphasis on the development of your people, you know, looking around a lot of people, whether it's, whether it's homegrown players or homegrown staff, you know, develop in this environment. And so certainly an impactful culture. Nate Fryman joining us. He's the Guardians Director of Hitting Development. Major League Time with Oakland. And and for someone who comes from Massachusetts, and you mentioned it, it wasn't, I mean, you had to earn everything you had in, in terms of getting those opportunities, and, and sometimes it went well, and, and other times it was a challenge, certainly. Uh, what did it mean to you to, to eventually reach the major leagues and get those opportunities? Yeah, it's, it's hard to really describe what that meant. As a kid, going to Fenway Park, huge Red Sox fan, that was always a dream. And it was not something that was always top of mind. It was when I was in high school, I just I wanted to be the best high school baseball player I could. And same thing in college. I wanted to be the best college baseball player I could. 
And I remember being in low A and saying, all right, I want to be the best low A player I, I can be and doing everything I can. And it was some kind of neat transactions that led to the opportunity in Oakland. Oakland's really active, creating platoon scenarios. And I had had some success against left-handed pitching. So was actually rule fived by the Astros as a possible platoon bat wound up on waivers claimed by Oakland and again, super whirlwind spring training in 2013, but, you know, found myself on the opening day roster and, you know, playing for Bob Melvin, just amazing communicator and somebody that will just partner with you in your role. I, I, I knew the role I had. I was, I was a right-handed platoon bat and again, just the communication, knowing, you know, when I'd be available, the way they were thinking of using me, what I could do to prepare, how I could best help the team. It was a great environment. And, you know, that was a playoff team and, and then had the opportunity to be back there for part of the next season as well. So again, it was, a, it was really special uh, to come back to Fenway park in 2013 as a player, you know, big credit to Sam Kennedy who, who actually coordinated a bunch of tickets for, for my high school uh, to be able to be out there. You play your home games at the Oakland Coliseum, which I, I think for those who haven't been there, uh, you hear the the stories about how it's uh, it's a, a struggling ballpark and they need to get out of there and all that kind of stuff. Maybe it's because the, the, the Guardians only make one trip a year. I love going there. The fans are awesome. Um, what was your experience as, as a, a home team player there uh, playing in the Oakland Coliseum? What do you think? Yeah, the, the first thing is that every single day that you have the opportunity to be in a major league environment, when you get there and the jerseys in your locker, is an incredible blessing. Never took that for granted for one day. And, you know, for again, it, 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 the Oakland Coliseum is, is an older building. It doesn't have some of the, the bells and whistles of some of the newer stadiums. But to be in that environment and to see the way the fans go absolutely nuts for the team in, in the outfield, playing instruments, just so engaged, having custom chants and cheers and, and the way they, they bang the drums out there. You can't, can't not love playing there. It was, it was a great environment. Loved every second of it. Yeah, It is definitely a throwback in a lot of ways to, to maybe how going to games used to be, but um, we'll see what the future holds there. Uh, Nate Fryman joining us, Guardians Director of Hitting Development. So your playing career comes to a close, and and uh, you mentioned you, you had that one year where you're trying to figure out what was next. What led you? What was the path that that led you to a a development position with the Guardians franchise? It was an interesting road. I was actually going back to business school at Duke to get my MBA, and while I was doing that, with all of the analytics and data that's in that's in baseball i i've always had a real passion for math and wanted to learn it and and not just to embrace it but to to be part of it and contribute and you know understand so started reading fan graphs and baseball prospectus learned some statistics learned some some coding and just started writing started trying to put some ideas out there and just just posting and I mean, rudimentary by any standards, but just going through that, that effort and, and just learning 
and getting feedback was a really valuable process and, and had the opportunity to present at a, at a analytics conference in, in that fall of 2018. And there, the Cleveland analytics group, it was a uh, sky Andrew check and Kevin Tenenbaum and, and Max Marchie, Keith Wollner. And so Max, I had actually learned how to write code and, and do baseball analytics largely from his book. And so for me, seeing him there, I, you know, I had my copy there. And I, I ran up to him and asked him to sign it. And I still, I still have it. It's at my desk. And so actually that's how I wound up with the guardians, not as, not as a hitting coach or player development, but as, as a, as a first year analyst in the office working largely with the R and D team in trying to learn from them. I mean, I, I don't have a, a master's or PhD or a real strong technical background, but just trying to learn, you know, from that group, incredibly collaborative group. And as I, as I spent more time there, gravitated heavily to the hitting side and after 2020 joined officially joined the, the, the PD staff. And, and you mentioned like writing code. Um, do you ever yeah. think like, I mean, if you were maybe coming along to this position or, or not even this position, but, but had an interest in, in joining a major league organization in the 1970s, that wouldn't have even been possible. Do you, do you sometimes say, you know, I'm fortunate in this place and time that that is, is something that, that teams are looking for? Yeah, it was, it was fascinating. And part of it was because it was prevalent in baseball. But part of it, again, I just I have a real passion for math. And, and while I didn't go on to get a graduate or degree in math, I, I've always loved it. And and found it was just a really, really neat to be able to to learn about baseball in that sense. And and learning how to write computer code was just it was one of the one of the coolest things that that I've done. And to have the gratification, you know, you run into all these little hills to climb and you want you want something to run and it doesn't work and you spend a certain amount of time and then it runs. And it's just it's just a real feeling of satisfaction. And you just you just want the next challenge. And so I just got addicted to, to that and, and was just enjoying it for its own sake. And the fact that it's now applicable in baseball and, and get to do it every day as part of my job is, is just something that's really special. Earlier in the day, we had a chance to visit with John McDonald, the, the Guardians field coordinator, and, and he mentioned that you have a, a really good knack for, for going from what, what you were saying, that the math end of it, to having it make sense for for hitters and coaches of hitters, um, how did how have you been able to get to that point where where what you're working on you can make it make sense to the kids that you're working with and the coaches you're working with? I appreciate Johnny Mac saying that. I, I think that's a credit to the people in this organization, to the to the inquisitive minds and, and curiosity that they show, because it's a it's a credit to them. They people here want to learn and they they want to improve and, and upskill and so just to be surrounded by a group of people that just wants more information and to know how they can apply it and be better at what they do and to better impact our players you know it's it's a great group to be around well nate listen it was uh, a pleasure to talk to you i know uh, you mentioned looking out the window and 
and uh, we're in the midst of the Northeast Ohio winter here, but it won't be long before uh, you'll be working with hitters in the in the player development portion of the the organization. And we appreciate you coming by and, and just sharing your path and some of the things that you'll be doing in the, uh, in the coming season ahead. Well, thanks for thanks for having me, Jim. Really really excited to get started again, and uh, you know, hope to see the uh, better weather soon. That is Nate Fryman, the Guardians Director of Hitting Development. Stay tuned. More to come on the Cleveland Clinic Guardians Radio Network. Don't go away, folks. Drivers who switch and save with Progressive save over $700 on average, and those savings add up. Imagine what you could buy in the future. So I used the savings from switching to Progressive 30 years ago to buy tickets to the championship game. You know, between those two teams that didn't exist 30 years ago. Yeah, I'm a big Alaska Palm Trees fan. Which is a team now, in the future. So switch to Progressive and save big because those savings can add up in the future. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National annual average insurance savings by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive in 2020. Potential savings will vary. Welcome back to Guardians Weekly. Jim Rosenhouse back with you from Progressive Field in downtown Cleveland. The final segment of our show this week and uh, some reminders for you. The Guardians team store remains open almost daily, closed on most Sundays except for President's Day weekend on the 20th of February. So if you want to grab your new Guardians gear and take a look at it in person, you can do so at the Guardians team store right here at Progressive Field. Most days open from 10 until 5 throughout the month of February, closed on most Sundays except for February the 20th. Then they'll be open from noon until 5. So a lot of hours at the Guardians Team Store in downtown Cleveland at Progressive Field. A lot of different ways to hear our show this uh, each week. And uh, if you're tuned to us live this week, you know it's on the Cleveland Guardians uh, Cleveland Clinic Radio Network. And uh, that drops usually late Saturday afternoon, depending on your local Guardians Radio Network affiliates. So we hope you can join us there. If you can't, it will drop in podcast form wherever you download your favorite podcast. Or you can go online to the website, cleeguardians.com, and find all the archived editions there as well. So a lot of different ways to hear our show. We're glad you found us for this week's edition. Hope you can join us again next week as uh, we'll come at you with another hot stove edition of Guardians Weekly. Thanks to Brian Matze for all of his help in putting together our show each week. Until next week, I'm Jim Rosenhouse, reminding you that you've been listening to Guardians Weekly on the Cleveland Clinic Guardians Radio Network. Guardians Weekly has been brought to you by Progressive, helping Guardians fans save hundreds on car insurance.